ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. I'm Andre. I'm Chris. And we really appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, it's another episode, another day. Uh, another with dollar? Some Another, yeah, I know, right? Social distancing to the max. Um, it's been a wild week. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. Um, I think both globally, nationally, and locally. Um, and even just you know here in Cary and in my house. <laughs> yeah, North- <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had a lot going on. Um. We aren't at the level where we're trying to kill each other yet. I saw a uh, mayor in Atlanta saying that she loves her family, but she's <laughs> she's getting tired of seeing them. It just blows my mind that that's actually a way people think, uh, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think you're not wrong. Like I, to some degree, right? I think we've been conditioned to not, not like we haven't been forced to interact with people like that. Right. For a very long time, because there's been so many distractions, whether it's, you know, television or your phone. And I mean, that's not like those things don't exist, but inevitably, like you just spend so much more time around people. Um, I mean, I think especially I'll be honest, like and, and feel free to give your opinion on this. Like, I think for parents, it's been a real struggle, you know, because it's like this unexpected summer break pops up and now you're sitting there trying to figure out like but it's not even summer break because you know you've got online learning that now you know we are essentially responsible for making sure that they're doing what they need to be doing on a daily basis oh that's shocking that's supposed to be happening anyway what's that (laughs) that should have been happening in the first place well yeah but you know what i mean like uh, previously while she was at school, her oh, teacher was responsible for that stuff during the day, which allowed me the opportunity to focus on doing my job. But what's been a struggle lately is, you know, it's like having her sitting here because she needs help on things from time to time and just generally needs a reminder to stay focused on what she's doing. Um, I spend, you know, 50 to 60 percent of my time doing that. And <laughs> not, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. You you understand that my kids are either adults or the the lone teenager. So yes. I I am so out of that phase of my life. If I was still in that phase of my life, I'm sure I would probably have the same challenges as everybody else. So no, uh, I know, I know. Uh, th- that's why people should have kids when they're young, so <laughs> they can get all this stuff out of the way. No, that's you're absolutely right. family um you know but it's it's interesting because i started seeing there's a lot of um stuff on social media just about people like parents that are like breaking down you know like and i'm sure there are lots of parents that are struggling you know way more than i am because i'm fortunate in that i have a job that allows me to work from home and allows me you know some significant flexibility in terms of you know, like I, as long as I'm present, right. And able to respond to needs of the customers, like, you know, I I can, I can divert my focus for a brief period of time. 
um, to, to help her out. But I know a lot of parents don't necessarily have that, you know, luxury. Um, and you know, a lot, I think parents are starting to push back, especially like high school parents and middle school parents where, you know, these are subjects that parents aren't necessarily the experts on, right? They don't necessarily have the knowledge to be able to help children to learn these things. And that's, you know, where the teachers obviously have to play a big role, but it's, I know it's hard for them too, where now you're trying to manage all of these students and provide, you know, some level of class time and one-on-one time and, you know, teaching and, and mentoring on those things. But it's, you know, I think everybody's trying to adjust at the same time. Um, well, you know, Chris, it's, it's one of those things where I look at it and it's, um, it's unfortunate, but it just shows that there's a lot of gaps in a lot of the things that we, we assumed were okay. Education being one of them. So it's good. They're exposed. It's the question is, what do we do next after this? What do we learn from it? Um, because you're right there. I mean, there were times when the boys were home where one of them, who's the mathematical genius would ask me to help him with his homework. I just got to a point where I'm like, dude, you're going to have to hit Google up for this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing I can do to help you, friend. Yeah. You're taking math that like I've never had to look at, or if I have looked at it, it's been a minute, bro. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I feel for those parents out there that, you know, are doing those things. My daughter, you know, she's taking AP classes and I'm super grateful that I don't have to help her with any of her homework. Yeah, for real. Uh, I mean, again, like, you know, I'm dealing with addition and spelling, you know, and uh, understanding. Yeah, yeah, what's your problem? (laughs) I mean, that's just it. For me, it's not a matter of, you know, not being able to explain it to her. I think, you know, like part of it is just that I'm not, I I don't, I I haven't spent all of the, shouldn't say all I haven't spent dedicated a lot of my time to working with kids that age on stuff you know like I mean most of my teaching and showing people how to do stuff is has been through work and you know or people that are my age or similar you know maybe a little younger a little older but not you know six years old (laughs) and so I think that's part of it also is that I forget sometimes like she's only six you know like I think I often have expectations that are probably you know and I think a lot of parents do right like just beyond what's reasonable for a you know a child their age but part of it is because it's you know I don't want her to just be like an average kid I want her to I would love for her to to be able to excel you know and yeah, that's fair. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can that I'm not just sitting here going like oh she'll figure it out and waiting and waiting and waiting so instead I just you know I'm, I'm gonna beat it into her like you you will get this and by beat yeah. I don't mean physically you know? <laughs> she's only I just sick. play Michael Jackson in the background all the time yeah yeah I get it I um our kids are fortunate. I think that one of the things I realized early on as a parent was I'm not going to ever talk to my kids like they're babies. Um, and I'm going to have conversations with them. Now that's come to bite me in the butt as I've gotten older. Because they do the same to you. Do you well, wish that they would come and talk to you like you were a baby? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> why won't anybody treat me like a baby? Yeah, it's just like uh, it, it's it's interesting to see that their ability to push back and their independence 
is appreciated sometimes it's not warranted or wanted yeah uh, <laughs> no you're absolutely right i mean it's i think it's hard to teach like you know appropriate independence right like right. this is where you should be independent versus this is where you better not try to be independent <laughs> and that's even at six years old like because there's a part of that where i've been trying to talk to her about like hey you know when when we're home you know if if I'm sitting here having to spend time, you know, telling you to focus or telling you to turn around and, you know, constantly trying to redirect you to get your work done, that's taking time away from me or it's taking time away from Miss Christie. And, you know, we have jobs that we need to do. We need to be able to focus and do those things. And so right. to some degree, you know, like you need to be able to do these things independently. Now, if you get stuck or you're not sure how to proceed, it's okay to come ask for help, but you know, it shouldn't be something where one of us is constantly having to remind you like, Hey, turn around and do your work, you know, because I know that that doesn't happen at school. You know, I don't right. hear that feedback from your teacher. We've had, you know, conversations about that. So I understand that this is a, you know, and, and I'm, cause I'm with you that it's, there's no point in sh not, sh you know, not necessarily being like brutally honest, right? But like having honest conversations with your kids, you know, like I don't, I don't lie or, you know, like make things up to try and, and make things better for her, you know, or like easier. It's just the truth is I think what's, what's honestly easiest, right? And the yeah. sooner, like, because we have to deal with that stuff in life. And so you might as well learn at a relatively young age that, you know, shit happens and like, it's hard. It's hard to, it's it, for me as an adult, it's always been hard to work with people that have no understanding of how reality actually works. And that's always, it stressed me out a little bit um, because I don't get to look at life through the, that lens. I've never, I've never been afforded that opportunity. So um, I thought as a parent, well, you know, I don't want them to get that cold water thrown on them when they become adults. So I'm just going to be as honest as I possibly can, truthful as possibly can, and um, just, you know, help them navigate those things. That's my job. It's not to do it for you or to figure it out for you, but to help you to be able to navigate the realities of life. And I'm fortunate none of my kids are uh, mass murderers, so uh, <laughs> they seem to be doing okay. So. <laughs> that yeah. you know of. That I know of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for politics. Um, so speaking of mass murderers, um, <laughs> President Trump. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, we're what the death toll is up to 55,000 plus yeah. at this point in the U.S. alone. Um, I mean, now he takes no responsibility for that because it's really China's fault and the uh, WHO. I just read an interesting article that, that the Republican talking point right now is to not to defend the president, but to blame China. Mm -hmm. shift, shift the blame to China, which makes no sense to me. Um but I mean, there's there's enough I think people that believe right, and I, and I think it's it's kind of 
funny when you think about it because a lot of the people who are now complaining, you know, about the stay at home orders and, you know, like, well, this is way overblown. It's not as big a deal as it was. We're the same ones who early on were sitting here going, China's covering up how serious this is. There's way more going on. This is going to be a huge deal, you know? And it's like, as soon as that becomes the truth, then, well, whatever's reality can't be true. So now I have to flip flop and go back to. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that Trump, um, president Trump has got a, um, I don't think he under I don't think he understands his current predicament. Like I don't think he sees that the the landscape has changed and shifted, and he can't pivot. So I, th- you know, you know, I said before that I've watched his face and he looks a little very solemn. But I watched him speak yesterday, even though he wasn't supposed to have a press conference, and I've been trying to avoid them as much as possible. Um, you can still see that that he's very uncomfortable like he looks I mean, like he, he stepped aside to let mike pence come up and answer a question yeah mike pence is a do boy and i i uh oh, yeah. I, I, I mean he was yeah i am the not whole time i am so that is a big no-no for me like he is I'm, just a big do boy right now i get wanting to show solidarity right and support obviously like you can't have the vice president come out and go well this guy's a freaking idiot um (laughs) but yeah i mean it's you know i think just some honesty right like some truth and honesty would be so refreshing at this point from either of those two people um, the, the sad part, my friend, is that Pence has been fairly honest. The the part that messes up his message is the fact that he spends so much time placating to the president. Yeah, that, I mean that's that, the whole White House and the, the whole administration, right? Right, I mean, and and that's the part where you know I said early on when the press conferences or the task force updates were happening that dude he should just let Pence talk because Pence has held a role similar to this, and even the I may not have agreed or believed everything he was saying. He knew how to deliver the message. Sure. But the problem was then that Mike Pence gets the credit for all of that. And Trump looks like he's sitting, or at least in Trump's mind, he looks like he's sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. And what I think he should have realized is putting somebody competent in charge of it. And I mean, again, I'm with you. Like, you know, don't agree with a lot of what Mike Pence generally stands for, but I think he is a more competent person than Donald Trump, um, President Donald Trump, that that would have been a better look for him. Ultimately, people would have gone, well, hey, he recognized that this was a little outside of his depth and that it was better to put somebody, you know, who could calmly deliver the right message on a on a regular cadence. But he saw the opportunity to, you know, I think especially I don't I take it back. I was going to say especially given that it's an election year, if this was 2016 or 2017, he would have done the exact same thing because ultimately it's not about anybody but him, you know, like as long as he doesn't get the coronavirus, he doesn't care. Uh, Yeah. I, and I, you know, the, the whole disinfectant thing was, that was, wow. I mean, I, I literally, I watched that and I was like, yo, my dude, you, are nuts and you're not wrong right like but part of me is very frustrated with the way that 
Because look, what he said was bad enough as it was, right? I understand he did not sit there and go, Americans should be injecting themselves with disinfectant. He did not right. say that, but he was thinking out loud, essentially, and claiming credit for the idea of could we put disinfectants inside the body? Now, somebody could very easily misconstrue that as, well, sh I should just go ahead and start drinking bleach or, you know, injecting Lysol into my veins. I understand that he didn't outright say that. But what he doesn't and what a lot of people don't seem to understand is that that's not the place for, you know, open speak, mind dump. You know, like, this is but, a but, press but, briefing. Like, but, have those conversations but, behind but, doors. Besides that, he, what shows, like, his lack of intelligence is that the facts that were presented were clearly stated about surfaces. Right. It had nothing to do with, like... But because he saw that they were effective on surfaces... In his limited capacity, he goes, well, why can't we do the same thing inside the body? Well, Mr. President, because that would kill people. <laughs> I mean, but like, I don't even want to get upset about the whole like injecting disinfectants because that's stupid. Right. Like that's like categorically stupid. Yeah. What I'm upset about is that he couldn't separate the, the facts for, you know what the context of the facts were well and the fact that everybody comes out and tries to defend him by saying well the, you know he got this information just before he went out there and it's like i would hope that the person who is in charge of running this gigantic country would be able to understand the difference between killing viruses and germs on a surface exterior or you know non-human Versus right. work inside the body. I mean, I, I, you don't have to be Ben Carson to understand that. Right. You know? I, I'm just saying, dude, that, that's what upset me was the fact that he couldn't understand the context of the, the study and the facts that they, as they were presented. That, like, and then for me, it's the fact that while he's sitting there talking to essentially the two people sitting on the sideline that are supposed to be advising him on this, that neither one of them outright says, you know, that is not something that would be effective because that would be dangerous. Like, and I get to, you know, or finding some way, right. To essentially communicate. Uh, yeah, no, that's not yeah. what we talked about. Yeah. Dr. Burks is they showed a uh, a side shot of her response and her body language was just like compelling. It was like, wow, that sucks. The guy, I can't remember who he was talking to. It's, uh, it's the the um, Homeland Security guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, we'll get somebody on that. I'm like, right, we're going to get the right people to look into that. Yeah, I'm like, something of that dude. effect. And I'm like, um, so murderers? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not even a response. It's kind of like, nah, dude, it's it's a hard pass. But I, I mean, again, right? Like, I do, I do understand, you know, uh, optics, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's like stupidity. Yeah, but it is. Um, and then again, like, it's so frustrating to see his and other people's attempts to deflect and you know spin. What he said, where he comes out, he's like, oh, no, I was asking a sarcastic question to reporters like you to see what you guys would do with it. Come on, dude. Like I, if I was a I, 
I kind of wish I was a journalist at yeah. some point, just so I could respond to that, you know, say something to the guy. Because it, remember that time we had the uh, the Q and A with that, mm-hmm. and I asked a very specific question. That's a great audience, question. Audience, I'm going to say just for the, I'm going to give you an example. We're in this meeting. It's like everybody in the company. The company hires this new. Uh, person consulting was it was it the consultants or no it was the uh director of hr that didn't want to be associated with hr oh yeah this time (laughs) just to be clear there were lots of times that andre asked good questions and meetings and people were kind of like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) and my my question was very specific so, with your experience, what's your plan? the fact that we have a problem retaining people for 90 days, what's your plan? And I got a lot of words. And then the person We're very... Build a positive culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> ask, ask me after they finished, I guess, dancing around the question, you know, did I answer your question? And I said, no, you didn't. Very, very honestly, you know, like, and... It's okay to be honest with people. I mean, if somebody's not answering your question, why would you just back down? Because they're assuming that they have, like, they satisfied your question. And, or at least have satisfied your request for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you've accepted what they've said as satisfactory. Yeah, like you're too stupid to like understand that they didn't, they didn't answer your question. Well, and I Why? think what what was pretty indicative at that point was that nobody in the company, you know, followed up after that meeting and went. Um, so, you know, I know maybe that wasn't the best place for that question to be asked, but he does make a good point. Could you elaborate <laughs> on your plan a little bit more in terms of what you want to do? But everybody just went, "All right, yeah, you're great. No, that was good. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah. Needless to say, the problem was never solved. Um, yeah, you, you've got to be honest in communication. It's just, it's good business. It's good, like, uh, it's good as a human being. You know, like if you don't know, you don't know. If you if somebody's BSing you, you you don't have to be mean to them, but you can at least call it out. I mean, come on. But that's not the art of the deal, Andre. Man. It shows how inept he is a, as a business person. Like, and, I, and I'm sorry. I, if anybody, after all the facts laid out on the table about President Trump, don't show you how incapable he is of running a business or not clear to people, then you need to ask yourself different questions. I mean, I thought that that was pretty clear well before he became president. I mean, just looking at his track record the number of businesses that he owned that went bankrupt or, you know, ultimately, and the number of people that he screwed right. over to do that. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> we were watching something on Netflix. It was like Comedians of the World or something like that uh, yeah. last night. And it, we were watching the segment from with some comedians from Australia and New Zealand. And one of them was like, you know, I always get, you know, people that voted for Trump riled up and it's like, uh, you know, you, you wanted to wanted to shake things up. Did you? Did you, you want to shake up the government a little bit? You know, the foundation of stability and our modern society. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? No, you know who it was? It was Neil Brennan. 
Oh, okay. That's okay. who it was. Yeah. He because he he came on first and uh and we were watching a little bit of him before we skipped ahead to the Australia New Zealand stuff. But it, and that's that's where I think it's just kind of like yeah, great job. Now we're in you know the worst pandemic of our lifetime. Not obviously the worst pandemic this country's ever seen or whatever. But it's like we're going through a really bad time and we've got arguably the worst possible person in charge of things like yeah i mean thanks everybody the the point is i mean the issue like the the thing i struggle with he's not going to fix it but his inability to show leadership during this time is what's frustrating like i don't expect him to have a solve no but But i expect him to understand how to put the right people in place to solve it or to minimize and to understand that 55,000 lives lost is not a drop in the bucket that you can't sit there and just pretend like, well, it's better than if I hadn't done anything. Yeah. That's uh, shit. Sherlock. Like that that is a, that's amazing. How many, like, and I know we talked about this before, about the H one N one deaths. Yeah. I think it was like 12,000. Roughly, if I'm not mistaken, in the year. Yeah, it was. It was nearly 61 million people infected mm-hmm. and 12,469 deaths. Man, I'm good. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, death is not like, I'm not saying, well, death's cool. I'm saying, no. Like, the, the ability to act. Oh, I'm sorry. There were the CDC estimates that the swine flu infected nearly 61 people in the U.S. and caused yeah 12,469 deaths worldwide. Up to 575,400 people died from the pandemic swine flu. Right. So we have done a a miserable, horrible job, and as a as a country responding to this not and it's not solely well I, I don't it's kind of hard to say it's solely on the president because like we just didn't respond well and then on top of that we have states like georgia and denver i mean in colorado i always, like i forget the rest of the state of colorado. denver is a state yeah <laughs> you know their capital is, is uh the mile high stadium and they are um, all mile high yeah so it's just it's just kind of like, you know, grossly understated how poorly we've reacted as a country. I agree. You know, I, I at this moment, right, I am withholding judgment on the states that are reopening things until I'm not. I I get that, but you know, like to some degree ultimately do I think it's the right thing to do? No, but I am willing to see what happens in those states before I, you know, start, you know, uh, saber rattling and all that stuff. I just. No, yeah, I'm not saying they're idiots. I'm saying that it's it's irresponsible. There is yeah. definitely a level of, of, of irresponsibility. You're absolutely yeah, right. I, and I think that's the part that kind of freaks me out. You know, I, I kind of I advocate shut it all down until we can stabilize some things. You know, New York's plan to reopen looks logical um 
North Carolina's plan seems okay. Yeah, you I mean, know? they extended the stay-at-home order until Mar- May 8th, right? So yeah. it's basically an extra week, an extra 10 days or something like that. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, the, the, I was reading something this morning where, you know, uh, like a bunch of different places have filed to try and get, you know, uh, labeled as an essential business here in North Carolina. And a lot of them are, you know, hairdressers and stuff like that. And they interviewed this one woman who's sitting there saying, we are hair doctors, we are face doctors. And I'm like, she's like, you know, if you don't take care of your hair, it'll end up damaged. And I'm like, not from not getting it cut and dyed and all that crap for six weeks. I'm sorry. Six weeks is not going to make or break a hair. Like, yeah, six weeks (laughs) will make or break somebody's living with coronavirus. Like, I just don't. On what level can you, especially right now, I'm sorry, you cannot sit there and compare yourself to doctors and nurses when you're, you know, a hairdresser or a beautician. Like, I'm not even trying to downplay, you know, like the importance of those roles for certain people. I understand that that's a part of their life. You know, she talked about, like, we're psychiatrists. Like, okay, are you licensed? (laughs) like why didn't you open up an online you know psychiatry uh practice while you were doing this you could have booked clients for that if you wanted to if that's if that's the real value you're providing is them talking it out then just book them online and do zoom meetings charge them half price i don't know like that's your yeah that's a lame argument i um i I saw that uh, Anderson Cooper cut his own hair and he gapped it up. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that is so funny. But See, but I don't get of- that either, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, you know, it's been six, seven weeks at least since I got my hair cut. I, I, so, now, granted, up until about six months ago, I would regularly go about six months in between haircuts. Like six months to a year sometimes. I would just let my hair grow out super long because i just hate it going to get my hair cut i finally found a hairstylist that i like um and so she convinced me to start coming once a month to keep it nice and clean but it's been longer you know like twice that long and i'm i keep looking at my hair and i'm like it still looks fine like i'm i'm not i would never sit here and go well I don't know what to do, but cut my hair. I it's it's come to that. This is I can't take it anymore. Like really? I mean, I saw a woman who tried to cut her husband's hair while he was sleeping because he kept telling her no and completely obliterated one side of his head. Like I'm just for the love. I just why? It's not that bad. Yeah, I I can cut my own hair, so I'm not really too stressed out about it. I mean, can you imagine if we lived in a society where we had people standing in stalls wiping our butts for us? What would we do in the middle of this? People would just be walking around with doo-doo on their butts all day long. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it is so ill. I'm like, you know, I I understand, I, I do, I get it. Like, economically, there are some small businesses that are going to fail. I 100% understand that i get that cold hard fact the reality is and i hate to say it because this this is where i sound ice cold you should have had some money saved up before you went into business and i hate to say it but it's not like you you don't gamble your entire future 
for the sake of a business. It's just irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, if if you have no cash and you put up your house as collateral to get a business loan and didn't, you know, think that I need to have three or four months or six months, right? Right. Worth Worth rent and expenses, you know, basically saved up in the event that something happens and I, you know, or, or if you're not able to get that much money, I'm sorry, like you can't open the business, but you got to wait. Yeah. And I, and I know that sounds really, that sounds very insensitive, but the reality is like, it's, it's business. Like you shouldn't, I mean, I, if people can get like uh small business loans right now, that's awesome. Yes. Nothing you still wrong gotta, with that. But you still, you have to learn from this. But for those that can't and for those that, you know, fall by the wayside because of this, I hate to say it, it was either going to be this or something else. Yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen one way or the other. You know, and same thing with, with you know, if you were just opening up a business, right? Like, say you were getting ready to open right. and you're doing all the work to to prep your location and everything. You know, if you were so desperate for cash that you needed to open and be open now and have that influx of cash and you can't, you know, sustain a couple of months rent. Like, I mean, basically you're not even really paying utilities at this point because you're not using the location. I don't know. It's, uh, I understand people are struggling and I certainly don't want to minimize that, you know? Um, and you're right. Like there's a lot of small businesses that are going to fail. Um, but I think, yeah, like ultimately, I I personally am much more comfortable allowing a couple of small businesses to fail than exchanging that for any number of lives. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry, there's no, you can't sit there and argue that you opening up your business is more important than somebody else's life. You just right. you can't, you can't argue that. Now, when it comes to the definition of essential businesses, you know, like, I mean, in Florida, Vince McMahon, probably by whispering in Donald Trump's President Trump's ear, who then, you know, called the Florida governor, I'm sure, you know, because Linda McMahon's a big uh, supporter down there. They probably just call themselves. Hey, buddy, uh, you forgot to include wrestling on that list of essential businesses. And they went, oh, you know what? You're right. Uh, Wrestling is essential. So we're going to go ahead and open that up. I, yeah, I, I hate to do it, but I think we're still 18 to 24 months of even getting close to understanding what the economy is going to look like. And I, I just don't see it being the same. Like I, I really don't. You know, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but I really, I am pretty convinced it's going to be closer, like more like 17 to 23 months. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's where we're at now. <laughs> Look, we're a month into this, so I think we need to account for that at this point. <laughs> There's 26 million unemployment claims. I, I just don't. Yeah, but Trump, I, President Trump built the greatest economy the world has ever seen. This, this guy is so full of himself. He didn't build crap. I know. That's a, I mean, they talk about like in, I was, oh God, I can't even remember where it was. A social media somewhere, but uh, somebody was touting, you know, how in three years, you know, Trump had built the greatest economy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, but where did he start? I mean, this dude's not Drake, right? Like he didn't start <laughs> at the bottom and now he's here. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't build crap. And that's like taking, 
when people take credit for things that they didn't do, it's just so annoying. It, it's just like one of those things where it's like, so tell me what you did. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell tell me. Oh, well, the, the tax, uh, you know. The, the tax credit, yeah. The tax credit that he gave to wealthy businesses. That's that's oh. how he built a strong economy. Okay. Yeah, house of cards, right? Yep. I mean, well, and again, right? Like, how are we defining the economy? Because yeah. ultimately, it's just the stock market indicators that he's really talking about. And, I mean, the truth of the matter is those aren't, I don't even think those are really that much of a good indicator because it's much more about people guessing where things are going to go and what's going to happen. Like, that's that's what it's really a better indicator of is what is what are people thinking is going to happen, not what's actually happening or what's going to happen. So when people when people like, start talking about the you know the stock market as a whole what they often forget is that you're right a lot of the the price indexes a lot of the, the stock prices are, are just guesses on they're they're rarely on the ba- balance sheet anymore and but it's more of oh what their potential could be well and it's well, all based on around the activity on that stock you know like if somebody starts selling off large quantities of shares then all of a sudden that stock price tanks right which ultimately means that if you are savvy enough and devious enough you can essentially manipulate the stocks to do what you want and i mean to some degree I, my dad threw it out there when all of this coronavirus stuff started and the and the stock market took a hit he he's convinced that there were you know a group of wealthy investors who basically sat there and said, watch this. And Let me short this stock, yeah. Yep. So they shorted a bunch of stock, and that sent everything into this massive spiral because everybody goes, oh, crap, these guys are shorting this stock. You know, that means blah, blah, blah is going to happen. Well, no, what they're doing is is forcing the rest of the market to essentially react to their actions. Yeah. Did it's- nobody see trading places? <laughs> They explained it all in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Buy low, sell high. Life. I know North Carolina's got their own open NC uh, shenanigans going on. And yeah, I, one of the one of the organizers recently admitted that she uh, had tested positive for COVID nineteen was apparently asymptomatic, um, so showed no symptoms. Um, but her quarantine ended on the 26th, I think, mm-hmm. she said. But um, she argued that the quarantine order for her specifically, the 14-day, you know, like you have to quarantine yourself to prevent infecting other people, was infringing on her First Amendment rights of freedom of religion. Huh. Um, sorry, I don't know if that's where you wanted to go with this yet, but <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. I, um, essentially, the argument is that because she was ordered to stay at home, uh, she couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to church, and therefore was not allowed to practice her religion, or or her religious, you know, rights were being infringed upon. You know, you know what I really. I, I'm really starting to get fed up with is that number one, uh, Christians are associated with uh, right wing conservatives. 
And number two, the continued, like, out of convenience claim of Christianity. <laughs> like, yeah. like if, I'm, if I'm being honest. like, Well, and because you're absolutely right. And I, I've thought about that a lot recently. You know, like there's, <clears throat> I think there is this fundamental belief in this country that, you know, Christians equals conservatives, right? But right. if you look at the candidate, the majority of the candidates, right, that were running for uh, Democratic presidential office this year, I mean, I think what all but one or two were Christian, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, the majority of Democratic, you know, politicians are of the Christian faith. So it, <laughs> I think, but it, what I think what sometimes or part of what influences that is that it there is through you know media and stuff like that there's this belief that like democrats aren't true christians because they allow for things like abortion and you know birth control and stuff like that and so you can't be a real christian unless you know you're a, a republican basically <laughs> yeah and that that's that's uh very contradictory um and i've you know you've heard me say this before if you if you can actually validate what you're saying and doing to what's actually, you know, a Christian value, then okay. But if you can't, then that is a you thing. It has nothing to do with God. Like, and, and I, I personally, and I, but, but it also makes sense why people hate Christians. They hate, it's like, I get it. It's things that people profess become weaponized. And then there's the cannon fodder, which is, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I hate to say spineless, but spineless people that don't defend the faith the right way, you know, and I can talk about, you know, we've talked about my views on abortion. My, well, we talked about it. I'll bring it up here. I just don't think it should be a, a form of birth control. Yep. Do whatever you want. Just don't make it birth control. Like that's, that's my biggest hang up with abortion. Um, so does that make me a not conservative person? No, I'm very conservative. It just means that and I also believe that that I think person it makes you a realist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somebody with some common sense. Ultimately, yeah, it's like, hey, if you want to have an abortion, it's, it's really between you and God, for, first and foremost, right? Ultimately, like, and that's that's the other thing that I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but that a lot of the, you know, hardcore conservative Christians that are in the spotlight, right, kind of push that narrative, a right. Lot. And it it makes it seem and appear that, you know, Christians are incapable of independent thought. And that's far, that can be further from the truth. And I personally, I, you know, I'm not offended, but it pisses me off. And it pisses me off so much, I'm willing to tell somebody, no, what you're saying is wrong. It's, it's not even remotely close to being accurate. I'm sorry that that's what you believe, but here are the facts behind what you're trying to say. Uh, one of the most debated and like weaponized Bible verses as um, the head of a woman should be man, right? Mm -hmm. a, a wife should be submissive to her husband, that, that whole argument. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like you take that one verse out of context and it actually says, you know, the head of the man should be Christ and the head of the woman should be man. So and if you look in that, that verse in and of itself, it means that, hey, the dude should be doing what Jesus would have him do. And the wife should be 
in agreement with her husband. Right. Well, essentially, right. If the if the husband is doing what Jesus would do, and the wife is following the husband's lead, that the wife is essentially following Jesus's lead. Right. But I, and I think right in you're absolutely right that it gets it gets taken out of context and goes well the woman should just do whatever i say and it's like well yeah but you're supposed to be doing what jesus would have you do and if you're not doing that then she has every right to sit there and kick you in the ass yeah it's it's like it, it, and people are so the it's the laziness of how people try to interpret the bible that offends me selective like, religion yeah, I think and is it, what it, you know, it's like selective hearing that our kids have. It's selective <laughs> religion. It's I'm going to pick and choose the pieces of this religion that I want to apply. Yeah. Right. And and I'm going to apply these rules to everybody but myself. Yep. Right. I mean, how often is the most fervent voice, uh, you know, in, in opposition of gay marriage or, you know, whatever it is, the person who ultimately ends up you know, getting caught doing that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's senator. the same thing with abortion, right? Like you see the, the senators that, you know, are, are sitting here writing these extremely strict lo uh, abortion laws and they're asking their mistresses to get rid of the kids on the side. Like I'll drive you out of state so you can go get an abortion. But the other people that live in my state that I am supposed to be responsible for, they shouldn't have access to that. That's only for me because I can pay for my girlfriend to go over here and do that. Those those things are the, the it's it's unfair and there I I do believe there's going to be a day of reckoning for those people, but you know I you know, I'm again I'm not an apologetist so that that's not my job but um I will say that you know like I've said before and we've talked about it hey it's not my job to convert people but it is my job to make sure I'm truthful to what I profess so. I completely understand why people are atheists. I completely understand why people hate Christians. I, 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 I can't defend the faith beyond my own experience. And that's what should be afforded to me. And I think that people should stop trying to, you know, group every Christian and some false grouping that doesn't exist. And that, it just pisses me off. You know, people are lazy, the same person's right? going to call me a five minutes from now like it's like how can you say that you're a bible believing christian but still be able to call somebody a stupid and and walk on with it that just it blows my mind yeah it blows my mind you, you think about all you know in the deep south you know how many bible thumpers are there who you know are full <laughs> fully believe that slavery was the right thing to do yeah. You know, that enslaving the entire race of another people that for some reason another people were completely, you know, beneath you uh, and not worthy of, of being part of society. Like, I just. Oh, it's just one of those things. And then you, you know, I, I get frustrated with uh, the duality of our society. You know, like on the left, you have, you know, the super liberals that. They say one thing, but do something completely. They're just as bad as the people that say they're Christians and they really aren't, if I'm being honest. And you have to, you know, me as a black man, I have to struggle with that. You know, I, we we talk about a lot of things. And one of the things, you know, we kind of touched it in a couple episodes ago. Like, I do struggle between arrogance and confidence a lot because, you know, 
it's a dog eat dog world in business, number one. And number two, like I have to work a hundred times harder than like, unfortunately, I hate to say it than a white person. Like it's, yeah. So I have to be, you know, I have to, I have to work with a chip on my shoulder. Everything I have to do has got to be, it's got to be perfect or, or close to it on the first pass. And, you know, when we work together, it, you know, like uh, you mentioned before, like I look at you kind of weird. I'm like, yo, my black butt couldn't get away with that crap. <laughs> like, yeah. I have, I have to balance that. And, you know, my work ethic is part of who I am, but at the same time, it's actually forced upon me <laughs> because I have to work a hundred times harder than somebody else. And I don't say that for people to feel sorry for me. It's just a fact of life, you know? Um, well, and, um, you know, I think on the last episode, we talked a little bit about um, the new Netflix show, Black as Fuck. And, right. you know, the um, the episode that was talking about presentation, right? right. Um, and I think that if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly, that those two things are very closely related, right? That like the presentation and, the, and the, that fine line between confidence and arrogance, you know, like right. basically presenting that uh, aura of I belong here, you know, like I'm, I'm supposed to be here, but I'm also going to constantly be proving it to you so that you don't ever have the opportunity to look down on me or to think that I'm, that I don't belong here. I think there's, there's that element of like constantly needing to kind of not even necessarily prove yourself to them, but prove, prove yourself to yourself that you belong there and that, that you are at there, that you are so, so much more capable than they would ever give you credit for that. Even they are maybe. Dude, you've, I mean, you've fortunately or unfortunately have been able to see behind the curtain when that actually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, you've watched, I mean, you, like there's a handful of people who have actually watched the pressures of the world. And it's not that I don't want sympathy from anybody. But they wear on you where you just it's so tiring to keep up the pace. Um, and it, it it eventually changes your perspective where nothing you do seems to be good enough. And you're always actually it's not that you're performing, but you're always performing. <laughs> and yeah. So it's, it's really annoying. If you're uh, always on, you know, yeah. like and I think, you know, another part of that is that there are a lot of elements of you know, black culture that are kind of, that are not considered appropriate for the workplace. Right. You know? And so then there is, I, you know, and I think we've talked about it before, right? It is so exhausting to be two different people, right? To have to be, to be who you are yourself, right? On a day in, day out basis. But then for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a relationship that you have with somebody or your job or, whatever, to have to put on a different face or to have to try to obscure part of who you are in order to either make people feel comfortable or to appease somebody else, right, or based on somebody else's rules that ultimately don't really have any bearing on whether or not the work gets done, right, or whether or not you're able to do your job. And Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, when we started working together, um, my background was completely different from uh, media or tech. And I was able to like work into an engineering role. Um, but 
to be fair, like I still had to deal with the the constant. Uh, you can beat this out. Oh, you probably need to beat this out. <laughs> What's the <laughs> doing here? <laughs> like nine times out of ten, the more I went into the the engineering department, and you know what that that in and of itself, it's like you know I I don't like being the smartest person in the room. I'm a team player, but I'm not going to prove myself to you, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to ever sit idly by and let somebody attack me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's exhausting. And I just, I hope for my kids and maybe one day I get to see this, like I got to see president Obama <laughs> that it gets better eventually because you know, if you're not Caucasian and I say that specifically because I also feel like, you know, the whole new re revitalized women's movement excludes women of color, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So if you're not Caucasian, you probably don't have to deal with the thing, a lot of things that people that are not Caucasian have to deal with. And the the social norm of like like false diversity is boring, fake, and destructive. And the... It's just like our, because our, it's diversity for the sake of diversity. Yeah, it's not diversity for the sake of you know identifying who the best talent actually is, right? Right. Or identifying who the best person to hire is, and not allowing you know perceived bias and any prejudice that may exist to influence that. It's it's not about well we have an equal number of caucasian and non-caucasian people we have an equal number of men and women therefore we are diverse like no that's we have one black person yeah so <laughs> <laughs> but didn't you notice we hired a black woman to be on our executive team oh wait but we're not actually going to treat her like an executive we're going to treat her like she's just one of the other people on that team or even better yet to describe her you know hey i'd like to look her up on linkedin well she's whatever and look she's the only black one there oh uh, oh okay <laughs> like like that's your description okay i got you how about a last name or where she used to work like yeah i'm looking on linkedin it's there's a lot okay. of information there but you know i mean that's i think people are lazy first right like and yeah i don't know it's for whatever reason i think Caucasians or white people just like we we feel the need to identify the color of or or you know like race of somebody else if if we're not talking about another Caucasian person you know it's like oh he, this is my Asian friend you know <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend John he's from he's from the Philippines like um okay. I will admit that like uh, there's a in my uh extended group of people I hang out with um there's a guy we call him Puerto Rican Andre because he's Puerto Rican. You like New Yorkers and people from New Jersey. Like, you know, I've called people, you know, you know, the Jewish kid. Well, like, and, and so I should, I should clarify, right. That it's, <laughs> if that's the Nate, like somebody's nickname, right. I and mean, it's kind of like an inside joke or whatever. And everybody kind of laughs at, Oh yeah, this is Puerto Rican Andre, you know, like yeah. um, that's, that's, fine but it's more you know like oh that asian guy over there right like describing yeah, yeah. people we don't know you know um i just i, I feel like that's maybe i mean maybe it's not maybe it's not just a, a white no white thing, people but. feel guilty they they 
like from my experience, they feel um, it's they're always uncomfortable when it comes to race. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. But there are facts about, and I should probably, I've been educated by my kids that race is really not technically a thing by science. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But <laughs> people feel like, like white people really do feel uncomfortable about talking about different cultures, you know, um, like somebody, I heard somebody say, I like, uh, what is it? It was something about food. I like, uh, gosh. Oh, um, I, what ethnic food. Ethnic food. <laughs> Could you be a little more specific? Oh, you know, like Indian food. Oh, okay. Could, uh, it just, yeah, I, I kind of feel Why bad for like, you like Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be bad. Like uh, sometimes we'll be watching a comedy special, and like Tetchy will straight up say, "Why is it okay for like black comedians to say some things about white people, but like most white comedians won't say the same thing about black people?" And I think, well, that's a very interesting point. But then we see some comedians that are more like legit, like uh, that can actually get by with those things because they're they're not seeing it from a, a dark place, right? Because um, I think I, that's part of it, right? Is like, look, the underlying truth is that there's a lot of history there, right? And you can't just pretend like that stuff never happened, right? Right. And I think going back to your point about white people feeling uncomfortable i think a lot of it ultimately stems from the fact that we don't want to have those conversations right we don't have those honest conversations with ourselves and with our kids and with our parents about what happened right i mean you look at history books right like right. I, I know we talked about this on a previous one when i did my trip up to dc and i went to go visit the african-american national museum up there like so many things that I learned in the three hours I walked through there without even seeing all of it that I'd never heard before. You know, like names I'd never heard, like events that happened, things that were never taught to me, that were never brought up in conversation. And how can I possibly hope to, you know, like try to understand any of that and move forward from it if I don't know all of it, right? And right. I think... Like we just, we talked about it earlier. Like you just have to be willing to have these honest conversations that are uncomfortable sometimes. Ultimately, like you will get so much more out of that than if you try to pretend that it didn't happen or we just, you know, gloss over it and be like, yeah, well, there used to be some people that lived here when we first got here, but they decided to up and move somewhere else because, you know, there were a lot more of us than there were of them and they didn't need all the land that they had. Um, yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. And um, it's, it's interesting. Every time that you have to do life in a situation and it affects your personal sphere, you, you get a new appreciation. So, and just to kind of wrap, this part up you know like we, we keep talking about COVID-19 one of my daughter's friends um, their boyfriend got COVID-19 both their parents got COVID-19 and the situation is just you know it's not bleak they're out they're out of the hospital but they lost their jobs and it's just like you know I'm just sitting there absorbing all that and yeah we can look on in afar 
and say, this is a pretty bad situation. But when those things start to seep into like your personal sphere, like and you're doing life with that. And I, you know, I just hope that whether it's COVID-19 and, and states reopening, whether it's race and we can figure out ways to try to do life with people because you're, you're, you're probably more able to grow and move for, you know, forward and, and, and grow from the, the experience once you start to do life with people. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I have biracial kids, so it's like, I'm not racist. You know, I, I obviously like people. Right? It doesn't really matter their ethnicity, but you better believe I'm very well aware of when people don't like black people. <laughs> like, so <laughs> it's, it's not even a surprise to me. It's like, yeah, you're really racist, you know? So uh, it, how we're friends is beyond me. Cause you know, me yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am one racist motherfucker. <laughs> I always tell people, say it in my face, man. You can say whatever, I mean, believe what you want to believe, but say it. I dare you to say it to my face. Well, then <laughs> I think, I mean, honestly, like, it's one of the things that I have always loved about our friendship is that like we can have these conversations, right? And I, you know, like I've learned so much just from being friends with you and from these conversations, you know, and it just gives me an opportunity to, to, cause again, like I'm never going to experience, you know, like being a, a black person in America, but I can learn, you know, from people that do experience that so that I'm not continuing to perpetuate that ultimately. Right. And so that I want to be part of the solution as opposed to either continuing to make it worse or being a silent, you know, observer on the sideline that does, does nothing to improve things. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you really can't be. Um, there was an experience last year that, you know, I'm, I guess I'm over it, but I remember it. <laughs> and when I think about it, it just, it, it, um, it, it's very disappointing. Um, and I, it just shows you that no matter what you do, like, and I, I've said this about celebrities, but, I've got to experience this for myself. No matter what you do, how hard you work, how you deliver, unfortunately, there's going to be a good amount of people that are in leadership that do have some control of your 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 current future that are just racist. And you know, no matter what anybody says about the people involved in that, I still I conclude that they're all racist. Yeah. And um, I forgive them. I just don't forget the experience and, you know, I hope the best for them. I hope that they're able to at some point in their life, you know, grow beyond their racism. But if I'm being honest, I think they're except for one, the exception of one that was in that leadership position. I think they're all racist and, you know, God bless them. (laughs) That was my mature statement, but it's, I will, you know, that experience it actually hurt if I'm being honest. Um, and I'm like not salty over it, but I just can't forget it. Like I can't forget that that is still a reality and a possibility in this day and age. And, um, yeah. So I guess that hopefully helps me to bring closure to that, but I will say that 
with the exception of one person in, in that situation, the rest of them are racist. And it, it's, it makes me understand there is still racism in America. So football, sports, football. <laughs> <laughs> you like what we do there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I know you're not a big draft guy because you no. are all about prove it before I'm going to go buy your jersey. Uh, speaking of which, have you ordered your Bradley Chubb jersey yet? No, I'm, I think I'm going to, though. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, he was out for a significant portion of last season. Um, he's though man your boys your boys nice so uh, they um I don't know, there was some twitter feed and some wolfpack you know account um was posting all of these like video highlights from different games that took place at carter finley and the one i think it was two or three years ago against louisville when it was bradley chubb versus lamar jackson and the very like it was like very first series louisville gotten off a couple of plays and it's like second and five and Chubb just man, I mean that guy just bolts off the line, beats his man, and grabs uh Jackson just by the ankle and brings him down. And like I just I remember being there and like the energy and the excitement in the stadium at that moment when that happened was so ridiculous. And I just yeah, like that guy, that guy is legit. And He's I'm, the truth, man. I'm very He's excited to see him play some more in the NFL. Um, I might have to get myself a, a Bradley Chubb jersey uh, at some point. Of course I you definitely need – I'm going to be ordering my uh, my Phillip Rivers uh, Colts jersey at some point here because, you know, i gotta got to represent my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to hold on to my Chargers ones, though. I'm not going to burn them or, yeah, or do any of that stuff. That shows you're, the, you're a fan of the player, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's not – I'm not one of those where it's like Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and now, you know, I'm I'm not a Tom Brady. I'm going to burn my Patriots jersey. <laughs> um, although, I, you know, if I was a if I had a Gronk jersey, I'd probably burn that at this point. Uh, no, Gronk he's a very unique player in my mind. Um, I I just I he is, but I I the whole like I'm gonna retire and then oh wait I can go play for somebody other than Bill Belichick well let me unretire and obviously Bill didn't care because he traded him for like a fourth round pick or something like that. But think about the package of that, right? So I can go play for Tampa Bay. I'm probably gonna get my targets. Oh so, yeah. I mean it's a good package for him. Yeah, I don't. I mean I look I don't disagree and I think you know like assuming and I don't think there's any reason to not assume that you know he can play at a similar level to where he was two years ago after the season off like yeah I think that's it's a good move ultimately like if you're Tampa Bay and you hear that that's an option you know regardless of OJ Howard and whoever else you have in the tight ends room like you're gonna take Gronk with with Brady like you know that that relationship there has produced in the past so I think you do whatever you can to take that um yeah I you know I didn't watch any of the draft either um I just was checking highlights and stuff like that, or, you know, looking to see who certain teams were picking. There weren't, I usually get more invested when there's a lot or, you know, a decent chance that like some Wolfpack players are going to go high in the draft, but we only had like two or three guys that were even like potential picks. And they went, I think fifth and seventh round or something like that. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting just to see how the rest of the season plays out 
because we're not going to have most likely like OTAs and um, you know, the uh, rookie mini camps and stuff like that, you know, how that whole schedule gets adjusted and how quickly these guys are able to get on board will be, I think, you know, interesting. Um, there was some, I was reading somewhere where somebody was basically saying like, you know, the smart GMs are drafting players that need a year of development because this upcoming season is essentially going to be lost no matter what. Like you're not yeah. going to be able to get these guys up to speed and on the field to make significant contra- contributions without with, with the disrupted schedule. So you might as well be drafted. Like don't don't draft somebody because you're like, man, I need this this player this season. You know, it's like no. And I've always been a firm believer that you take the best player available based on your rating. You know, it's not about positions right. of need. You build your team with the most talented players you can. And, you know, eventually you're just, it's going to pan out that you're going to draft guys in the positions that you need as well. Yeah. I, um, well, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the drafts. I, I, I am going to do a better job of trying to memorize at least six rosters this year, because last year my biggest gripe with football was just the trades and well, know, trying to keep track of who plays where, yeah, really hard. <laughs> yeah, so I want to do a better job of that this season, if there's a season. I'm, I want to be hopeful. I just don't eh, – I don't know if it's in the cards. Um, it's possible, you know. Um, what, that you memorize six rosters or that we have a season? That we have a season. I can memorize the rosters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the uh, easy part. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I – um... I've just been playing a lot of Madden, if I'm being honest. I – I haven't really been uh, checking on sports that much. Yeah, I mean, I have not been uh, as tuned in to sports as usual. I mean, typically around this time, I think we've talked, like I, I kind of would start to tune out anyways because it's just not my my seasons. You know, like right. I'm not a big baseball fan. Um, but I would usually, if I get in the car, like I'm going to sit there and listen to a little bit of the local sports radio. And I haven't done any of that. I think like the closest thing to really like sports content that I've consumed is the Bomani Jones podcast and not like high noon, but just his straight up, like his podcast. Right. Um, which uh, I, did you get a chance to listen to? No. Okay. (laughs) It's really good. Um, and since we were just talking about it, it reminds me that he had a great bit in there where he was talking about, you know, Gronk and Brady going to the Patriots and saying, who are Patriots fans going to root for now? Because they can't wear a Gronk Jersey. You can't wear a Brady Jersey. Um, you know, so it's like basically Julian Edelman. Yeah. He's nasty though. I mean, yeah, he's 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 not, he's nasty. Yeah. Like there's, I, I hate to admit it. There are some people in New England. I'm like, I would pick them up yesterday. I just I've never been a big Julian Edelman fan personally. Um, but I don't like him when he talks in public, though. If I'm yeah. being honest, like he says some bonehead stuff. But as yeah. a player, I rock with that guy as a player. Um, yeah, yeah. Sports, yeah. Like I I would be watching soccer right now. There's some qualifiers for um, a couple of cups in South and Central America. I'd be watching. But, yeah, yeah. Next. Around the house. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been working on a lot more home projects lately. So uh, I 
think I mentioned that we are working on remodeling our bonus room. Um, so the, the previous owner had uh, converted the carport into a bonus room in what I can only describe as the laziest and most idiotic way possible. Um, essentially, there was in in the underside of the carport, there was a bit of trim, you know, like, I mean, some big, like a, a one by 12 and then a one by six and then all these other little pieces of trim and stuff. And so instead of pulling all that down and building the walls up and then sheetrocking right. all the way to the ceiling, they just built the walls underneath that and left all that stuff there and then sheetrocked up to that and then painted everything to make it look like it was this really ugly, weird trim. And so I started ripping all this stuff out um, recently and discovered all of this. And it's been just like one nightmare after the other trying to get all of this. Cause I started like, I started ripping all this stuff out. So now it's all going to come out. <laughs> Did you start on an interior wall or exterior wall? Interior wall. That was your mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause the interior walls were super easy. That stuff yeah. came out uh, barely an inconvenience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the exterior walls, what I found is that the the so they had this weird like ledge piece that sat underneath all the rest of the trim above it. Yeah. But it on the exterior walls where they've got the giant two by twelve header, it's underneath that. Wow. And then they built the wall up and built the wall up under that piece. So that piece is sandwiched between the load bearing wall and the header so what i'm literally having to do is take my reciprocating saw and, and just cut, cut all along those two walls to rip that one piece of trim out it's the only thing that i have left to do now though so if i can get that out then i can because then we're gonna i've got popcorn ceilings in there we're gonna scrape the ceilings down and then i'm gonna drywall and then we'll paint or prime and paint and then do the floors. Cause that's the other thing that has to get done in there. Yeah, I haven't been doing anything that serious. <sighs> <laughs> we've, we've just been kind of planning what, what's going to, ha- what are we going to do once she, you know, once our daughter goes to college. So, um, we're probably, I think this, we might just stay here <laughs> if, if I'm being honest, because it's like this nice event has made us kind of refocus some of our financial plans. Um, but you know, knowing us, we'll probably move to downtown. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. Well, and that's, that's kind of, you know, where we've been because trying to determine, right? Like, what do we do in terms of remodels and improvements? Is it, are we going to be here for another five or six years? Are we yeah, going to well, be here for here, one or I'll two? Give, right. Give you my advice. Master bed, master bedroom. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, everything else you could put like freaking pink bean bags there yeah. and you play your house. Yeah. Put it's, a four uh, by four section of like hardwood floor in every room. Oh, it's great. Well that, and then because it's, I mean, this is a, you know, the house was built in 72. I think it still has the original wood siding on it somehow. Maybe oh. it was replaced once or twice throughout the years, but it's, it's all, you know, wood siding. And so I'm at some point going to get it wrapped in vinyl, but I know that that's, it's, 
I had somebody come out and take a look at it, a friend of the family, and he was like, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be more than 2000 2500 bucks for somebody to come out and do that. He was right. like, it's super easy what those guys do now. They basically just are, it's going to put a, it's a veneer that goes up over top of this that's already here. So I was like, all right, cool. I can do that. That's not that big a deal. But Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I got up on the roof and was cleaning that off. Did you put the antenna up? No. God, no. That would have been a good thing to do while I was up there, but that was way more complicated than I, because it was one of those things, like, I, I pulled out the lawnmower, and so I, I did the lawn, quote, air quotes, uh, <laughs> up front, and the lawn, also air quotes, in the back, and then when I finished up in the back, I could see that there was just this massive, because I have this huge tree that's right next to my house, and then I have a large back porch that they built on as an addition before I moved in. The slope of the roof on the back porch is significantly more shallow than the rest of the roof line. And so the leaves, and because it's got three skylights up there, that tree just dumps leaves on top of it and they sit there. They don't go anywhere. And so I had to get up there with a push broom and clean all of those leaves off of that whole area. At some point, I just got to get that tree taken out. But the thing is like eight feet, six feet at least in diameter, uh, and probably 60, 70 feet tall. Like, it's a massive freaking oak tree. It's huge. And it's five feet from the side of my house. So it's awesome. Not, yeah. I don't have nightmares when the wind blows that that thing's just going to come crashing down. Yeah, I, I was actually, I was just thinking that. Huh. Let's talk about technology. Fun time. Well, I think, uh, let's see. I, I've been working on our website. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Um, <laughs> you sent me all those git uh instructions and i was just like oh my god how does yeah. it expect me to understand any of this they're just words well you were like make a folder and i'm like how do i make a folder in the command line so i had to go look that up <laughs> i am not as technologically versed as you are i i am more of a gooey guy yeah i'm not i um it unless we're talking yeah. about emails yeah, I know. I know this, you have a skill set, dude. Uh, very. I have a very particular unique. set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you and I will email you. <laughs> so we started building our website so that way we can have like a, a home for the Chris and Andre show. Um, and for me, I, I probably have some more musings I'd like to do outside of Twitter because I really don't like Twitter. Uh, Well, and let's be honest, he's constantly texting and calling me, and I'm just like, dude, just put it on the website. I can't take any more of this. (laughs) (laughs) Write a 600-word article about whatever you're talking about. (laughs) This is content. We need content. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and if you, you may have heard in a previous episode, I was talking about WordPress or, you know, in general, and I don't dislike WordPress, but I don't think it's for everything. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a website up hopefully this Friday, depending on Chris. And uh, we want you guys to. <laughs> Sorry, nobody could see that, but I gave him the head shake like, what? Depending on me. Reaction when he said that. But he's absolutely yeah. right. He's He's waiting on me. The, the difference in our personalities is like if I have a deadline, I'm like a dog with a bone and Chris is like a cat. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm the cat who's like, mm, I'm going to knock this off the counter. <laughs> deadline. There's no deadline here. Yeah. 
So uh, it, it'll be up and running this week, and it's it's actually pretty fun. I, I like um, I like most of the technologies, <laughs> not all of them, but I do like uh, you know making stuff. For those of you that don't know, Andre is a huge fan and supporter of Docker. Um, <laughs> he believes everything should be in a container all the time. Um, and his goal is to convert the internet to 100% JavaScript. That entire thing was BS. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I was trying to make our website Chris friendly and I was in it. There's a service. It's actually quite unique. I, so I want to give a, a shout out to forestry.io, uh, to an, unfortunate problems one they were asking for me to use docker and docker didn't do it it was supposed to do so i wasted an additional four hours of my life because of docker again so that's a total of six hours that docker owes me back um but yeah so i was not able to do that so unfortunately it's not going to be chris friendly so much it's going to be um kind of neutral it'll be middle ground yeah chris neutral yeah so you won't really notice that I'm there or yeah. that I'm missing. <laughs> but uh, the plan is to have the site up and running by uh, this Friday. So that way we can have a, uh, an internet home. And just so everybody find... knows, this is the first I'm hearing of this deadline. So Chris, you're so, you're so lame. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're so lame. Hey, it doesn't matter. This episode is not going to be up before then. <laughs> <laughs> so again for those of you that don't know like chris is like he's to say he's procrastinator would be wrong he's like uh you know little kids like they like to eat their dessert and they completely pass their vegetables that's chris like things that interest chris he'll knock it out but if he's like mildly interested you're Snowball's chance, ladies and gentlemen. Snowball's chance. You are not wrong. Uh, essentially, what it comes down, to, I got to be in the right mood. Like, uh, if I'm, and when it comes to this podcast in particular, I don't like to force myself to do it because I feel like when I do that, I do a half-ass job. Like that's right. that's part of my my reasoning, and I'm lazy. But it's also because, like, especially with something that I that I do care about, when I'm if I sit down and I try to, to edit and I'm just, I mean, like, honestly, yesterday I sat down and started editing an episode that's that we recorded last week. And it I spent so much time doing the initial, like, audio processing that by the time dinner came up, like, I hadn't gotten any actual editing done. And I was just like, all right, well, I could grab my computer and fit, but it just wasn't the day. You know, like, sometimes it's just not right. your day. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait and I'll and I got some I, today was much better this morning I got I got some good progress done on that so um, so here's my theory especially for anybody working at home right now like separate the spaces so because I know exactly what you described is how I kind of used to feel when I used to work from home it's kind of like you're you can't turn something off and it's like always like just poking you in the back of the neck so for me. I, what I've done and it works well for me and may well, it may work well for others is I have my office set up and it's solely my office. Like even down to the, the programs I use on 
the computer I'm using right now is solely work stuff. My laptop is for those nights where I'm like, yeah, I totally didn't get that done. And I can pick and choose the projects I work on. Yeah. Um, because so, there's some. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Because otherwise I wouldn't have done it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the issue that I've been running into, and this is essentially just an excuse, um, is that I think I mentioned I've been trying to get a home server set up so that I can more easily transfer stuff between files. Well, when I, after having sat unused for. I don't know, six, seven months. Uh, I plugged in my Raspberry Pi and it doesn't work. Uh, (laughs) Whatever the OS like wouldn't load and I was having all these problems and I was like, I got to start over. Uh, And so that's, again, just an excuse. But yeah, because I don't have enough room on this laptop to be able to store all of the podcast stuff because each episode takes up three to four gigs depending on... Right, much, like how long they are and how many you know topic changes and stuff like that I have to put together, um, and so I always have to transfer it to an external drive. But then I have to remember to grab that external drive if I'm going to be working on it because it has a lot of the old like topic changes. And anyways, sorry, very boring. Long story excuse. short, Chris yeah. doesn't get his work done. Fix the problem. <laughs> Don't apologize. Just change the behavior. Don't apologize. Change the behavior. You know, I started yeah. using that with my kid. Big difference, right? No, not at all. She doesn't. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, uh, what what else? Oh, I had this issue with. Um, oh, I love Plex, but I had a problem. I had two problems that just kind of blew my mind. One was I I reprovisioned one of my computers to do something else. And my stupid router decided that because they had the same name ish, they, one was camel case, one was lowercase. My router decided that, Oh, this is the one you want to take all this information. And it just started messing up my network connection. So we'll see after this uh, episode of my sounds is better. I haven't had a lot of like stutters on my computer. So I feel confident. We had one little hiccup earlier uh, in the episode, like right at the beginning where you were still talking and there was no interruption here. I don't know if you could hear me because your video froze and I was like, oh, you froze and you just kept going, which was fine because I'll just clear that stuff up. But um, okay. Yeah. The second thing I had with technology was my, you know, my Plex server and I downloaded the, the, I did an update and for some reason, my podcasts were missing. And I like to listen to my podcasts like on my phone through the Plex app. Well, these guys decided that they wanted to make a separate app. I read about it. I didn't think it really concerned me. So I had, you know, I'm like frantically looking for it. Like, I don't really care. It's for my podcast. Dude, I don't like the new, The it's called Plex Amp. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Like, I, I just don't see the need. I, it was great in one app. I don't know why they separated it. Um, I don't really care. I don't keep music on uh, on my Plex server, so it's really not very useful for me. But I had to set up a dummy folder to get the podcast to show up in the app, and now I have two apps to listen to podcasts. I just don't know. So maybe I'm resisting the change. I, I guess. Uh, was the reason you were using Plex to listen to podcasts because it allowed you to have just one app to enjoy that stuff? Okay. 
Yeah. I was going to say, like, otherwise I'd just say, screw you, Plex, and go use, you know. I mean, like, yeah. I, so I can literally listen to a podcast in my office, just put it on my on my TV and listen to it there, my bedroom, the kitchen, wherever I'm at. So that's one of the reasons why. Now, that app on my devi- other devices hasn't changed, just on my phone. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a small change, but that's where I end up listening to the bulk of my podcast. Cause a lot of times I'll either like have my headphones in or, you know, I'll be in the kitchen cooking or something like that. And I'll just, I'll have it. Or if I'm, you know, working around the house or, you know, working on a project, like I'll just have it blasting in the background somewhere, yeah. but I usually just carry my phone around with me. Um, and I use, I mean, I guess I, I used to use the iTunes or the, the Apple podcast app, um, for all that stuff. But then when Spotify started doing all of the podcasts, I was like, well, I might as well just listen to everything here, but I still keep the podcast app on there just in case somebody else is using my Spotify account. Yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, enjoy like, I, I for me, Plex is great. Um, and it's just been very like for all my media, you know, whether it's watching movies or what have you, I just, I just really enjoy, knowing that I can start it in one room and go to another room and finish it there and I don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. Um, and that's another reason why, um, like if I'm being honest, like there's a lot of consumer tech stuff. And I know that we speak two different languages when it comes to technology. I think that'd be a good place, like our, our website, just to kind of write about some of the things that people might find useful. Um, you know, whether it's... Wait, what do you mean we speak two different languages? Are you saying I'm not tech savvy? Oh, so <laughs> there is a scale of one through 10 in like tech savvy. Yeah. It'd be a strong seven, right? Strong. So like a seven and a half, 7.7, 7, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. All right. Most of the people I know, they're like well below a four. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm far superior to the average person, but. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> not. <laughs> so where would you put yourself on this scale of one to 10? Like, a, like uh, a solid 10, strong 10? I'd be a solid nine because there's some technologies like I don't like particularly use, but, and there's a lot of them, but you know, it wouldn't take me long to get up to speed on them. See, and that's uh, what I think it's more about like, you know, your ability to absorb and learn that stuff, you know, yeah. in terms of like being tech savvy, as opposed to like what, whether it was like the, the accumulation of knowledge that you have. That's a, that's a fair statement. Um, because really with technology, it's as much about being able to figure out how a device works, you know, or, or like how to put something together as it is like actually understanding the inner workings of it or just learning like the mechanics of it. Okay. So then let's separate into, into two groups and you have the consumer level, mm-hmm. right? Consumer level tech savvy. I guess you'd be like a 10, right? Easily. Solid 10. Solid Strong 10. 10. <laughs> No, I did give myself an, an probably a strong eight, a soft nine. Yeah, because like, well, well, Raspberry Pi is not really consumer technology. If no, that's that. it's borderline. Um, yeah, but you know, I do regularly get angry with my daughter's uh, Amazon tablet, but that's mostly because that thing's a piece of crap. Like, I I will it's not good. be buying Amazon tablets anymore that's the that's the one in the kitchen is the last one i'm gonna buy because i'm just i'm over it like 
it's only good for books. That's the only reason I I actually purchase one. Like anything else, it's subpar. It is the slowest thing. Like and, and mine too. Like I got the one that I got for the kitchen is just like switching between screens on the homepage is like it's awful. Uh, 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 oh, there you go. And I'm just like, you know, I was trying to get an app installed on her tablet this morning and it just it's just the way that they built that thing is so stupid i'm sorry but like that the the operating sense the steps you take to change profiles right. and stuff like that it just doesn't make any sense and um yeah i'm i'm sorry i'm done that's it that's uh, that's it for me i can't <laughs> it, the, the thing is bro it's like it's uh it's built for um it's built to be an ad machine basically yeah, that's it's really exactly built, what it is yeah it's built to to consume it's really only built to consume content it's not built for like applications and i you know that was my frustration with it because i've owned android tablets and i've been able to manipulate them this one it's like it's really only good for kindle books and, yeah. I, and i'm perfectly okay with that i um, did uh i did read an article and, and have been considering um basically jailbreaking mine and putting like the google the android os or the google os yeah. on there with the google app store um because i was reading like yeah you can basically just get rid of all that crap that amazon sticks on there because it is essentially just an android tablet but it has yeah. a, a shitty interface like that's all it, it is it's built for advertisements it's, it's only built for consuming content and like you know i don't really I don't really care. Like for like the fire stick sucks. We have one fire stick. Everything else is Roku's in my house. Um, yeah. I'm a firm, firm believer in Roku. Personally. Yeah. They've, they've nailed it. Uh, I think as far as like the, like I would never buy a smart TV like on purpose. Uh, we bought, uh, we bought one is a Roku TV, but it's actually pretty cool. Um, but I think Roku, as far as your interface goes, it's super plain, super simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You get 90%, if not more, of all the online content that you probably ever need. Yeah. And it runs Plex flawlessly. So you can supplement your movies and TVs and whatever you want to do. Um, I just think it's a great device. And it's and I have an app in my uh, actually I have an Apple TV in my office here. I rarely use it because it's the Apple TV three, yep. but I should have known this. It just looks so cool when yeah. it first. It does. I, like, I mean, the little the little square was so neat, and it's heavy. Like it just feels yeah. legit, you know. But it's a, it's a quality device. It is. I mean, and, and Apple, you know, consistently, I think, makes quality devices. But the uh, I got tired of the just like it just because I think I can't remember if I had a two or a three, but. It was, it was right before they came out with with one of the new ones, and the interface sucked. Like I was constantly losing that itty bitty remote, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think just o over time, like there were just a lot of limitations. It seemed with the Apple the, TV, you know. Yeah, the app not having an app store was there was a deciding factor for me never to consider buying one again. And yeah. number two, it that. A device like that, a consumption device, shouldn't cost more than $50. That's like, the other thing I love about Roku, right? Is like not only 
they provide multiple price points for you, right? So if you want to have a $15, $20 Roku stick, you can do that. If you, you know, I usually spring for the $40 one just because it's the one that I have throughout the house at this point. And it's, you know, I like having right. the, the bigger remote and just a little bit more of the functionality of it. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I'm with you. Like I'm a firm believer in what Roku has been doing. Um, and I have, I was buying smart TVs because at first I was like, well, that's really convenient. And I think in some cases it can be, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's like a lot of situations where you end up with so many different interfaces because they're all done by different manufacturers that there's no consistency. Right. And so yeah. unless you're like, well, I'm going to buy all Vizio TVs and I'm going to buy them all at the exact same time because I've got two Vizio TVs that have two different interfaces on them. Right. Because <laughs> Vizio changed and my old one doesn't doesn't get an update because it can't support the new one. That's and that's the problem. It's like, why would you lock yourself into the hardware and with us that's not gonna be able to support newer software? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well and ultimately and when you compare the price of the same size television, smart TV versus not, you're usually paying several hundred dollars more for the smart TV when you can buy a Roku for forty bucks. Like, right. Where is the logic in that ultimately, <laughs> right? Even if it's a hundred dollars more for the smart TV, forty dollars for a Roku. Yeah, simple man. Five dollars right? for an HDMI cable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited about um, our website, and you know, uh, we hope that people that are listening, and we really want to thank everybody that's been listening to uh, these episodes. It's been kind of cool to, you know, look and see who's listening and where they're listening from. So we really do appreciate it. I disagree. Uh, it's not cool. It's freaking amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the truth is right. Like Andre and I started this with, I mean, the hopes, right. That it would, that we would find an audience somewhere that, you know, enjoyed listening to us and consumed our content, not because we're going to make money off of it, but just because we like to share our opinions and thought, man, what, isn't it cool if, if other people start to think that what we have to say is interesting, you know, or, or at least worth tuning into. And, um, you know, looking at, I think the volume, you know, of, um, of plays that we've had across a number of different apps, um, and starting to dig into some of like the, you know, the other analytical data in terms of where people are located and where they're listening to us. Um, you know, like we can't, I, I couldn't even begin to think that we would ever reach any sort of like global audience. And I know, I mean, obviously having, a or several listeners in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, you know, a listener or two in Pune, India, isn't necessarily like, oh man, we're we're all over the place. But um, I mean, it's just cool. It's really neat to look back and see the fact that you've had people from all over the globe, um, you know, that have, that have tuned in at different times. And so um, I'm excited to keep going. You know, I think you know Andre and I are both looking to try and produce this content more consistently. Um, so that you guys can keep enjoying it, uh, especially because we have a, a decent amount of time on our hands at, yeah. this, at this five minutes. So, Yeah, and I, I personally feel like I'm going to go back to the website. I, I really hate social media. Like, I, like if I'm being honest, you know, it's like it's not where I'd like to hang out at. And it, it just kind of puts me in a, not a negative mood, but it, it gives me a different lens or filter of how I see things. And that's not where I, I would sh even share ideas or share additional thoughts. So if I'm being honest, 
like I'll check in on, on social media. And I, I actually saw this about myself this weekend. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. Like I, I just don't find myself caring. Um, nothing there is fulfilling. So I wrote an article. I started writing an article. Like I want to put on a blog where it's like, I would more freely share my ideas in a non hostile environment. <laughs> so, so, you know, if I'm being like super legit, like I, I don't rock with social media like that. It's, it's great to kind of, I look at it like um, specialized text messaging, more more so than anything else. It's like if I just want to randomly send something to people that know me once or twice every now and then, it's like a, a, a group text message. But it's not a place where I would ever share an idea or a thought if I'm being 100% honest. It's, not, it's certainly not anywhere that I would ever have, hope to have a civil discourse. Right. If If the past couple of weeks have taught me anything, it's that the more and more... I mean, maybe just the more time that people are having to spend at home here, um, the crazier and more bitter and more angry and more reactive they have become on social media. And I'm, I mean, I think we talked about it last week. Like I've even fallen into that trap on, you know, an occasion and had to, had to get myself out of that because I just was like, no, 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 no. Don't go down that hole. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I hope, you know, again, right. If you're, if you're a listener and you're, you find yourself kind of, you know, going down these, uh, long conversation or comment threads on any social media platform, um, remember that it's okay to come up for air and it's okay to not engage with that stuff. And that ultimately you're not really going to change anybody's opinion by yelling or screaming at them or even trying to have a civil conversation with them online because that's not what they're there for. So you might as well move on and let them believe what it is that they currently believe and hope that someday somebody in person has the ability to, you know, inform them because uh, I still, I just, you're not going to, you're not going to say anything to a stranger on social media and have them all of a sudden go, wow, that person that I've never met before is absolutely right. And I'm going to change everything about me. Like I, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I I think for us, especially, you know, we probably, I know for me personally, that's not my scene. Um, and I, I just rather put things where, you know, the Chris, the Chris and Andre show needs a home. And our home is probably just with our personalities, our belief systems and our values isn't really on social media. It's just kind of like it's anti who we are. So uh, Which is why we have a Facebook, Twitter and Instagram yeah. profile, because we are not about that social life, that social media life. Sorry, that, that social media life is just it's Andre's uh, new form of SMS. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, better than Andre's new form of S&M. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess in some ways it can be, uh, you know, a little bit of both (laughs) (laughs) self-flagellation and self-filating in some cases. So, (laughs) Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this episode has officially gone off the rails. I just saw Andre put both of his hands on his head at the same time (laughs) in exasperation at that last comment. So. So once again, everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. If we're still here. <laughs>